Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, I am Anna Brown with Living Joyfully, and we are so glad you've joined us for this episode of the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Pam Larickia and Erica Ellis. Welcome to you both. Hello, before we get started, started, I just wanted to remind people to check out the Living Joyfully shop. We're adding things all the time. And recently we've added a focus course on validation. Validation is a topic near and dear to my heart, and I find it to be quite magical. It transforms any exchange and enhances connection in such a deep and meaningful way. You can find it and other offerings, including coaching at at livingjoyfullyshop.com. Today, we are going to be talking about a common stumbling block. While not specific to unschooling, it does come up a lot in unschooling circles. And that is the idea of quitting versus sticking it out. I am very excited to have this conversation because it's such a valuable paradigm shift for all involved. And I remember it for myself and my work there. So I'm excited to talk about that. But um, Erica, do you want to get us started? I do. Okay. So yes, this idea does come up a lot, I think, both in mainstream parenting and in unschooling. And I think I want to start with what we're referring to when we say quitting versus sticking it out and where those ideas or cultural beliefs might be coming from. So when people say quitting, most people are talking about when their children start an activity, a program, a class, taking lessons, doing a project, and then change their minds and want to stop. And then sticking it out is when even if your child is no longer enjoying it or it feels boring or something inside them is telling them to stop or it's feeling too hard, they keep going and either finish that project, the course, whatever. They keep attending the lessons that they signed up for. And this is not just about children either. We could find ourselves in these kind of situations too, where it can feel like we're either quitting or we feel like we need to stick it out. And I find myself putting quitting in quotes every time I say it because it just feels like it's not a helpful word. It does not tell the whole story. And one of the first things that pops into my mind when I hear these kind of two options is that there are never just two options. Like, are these really the only two options, quitting or sticking it out? But maybe we can talk more about that later. Anyway, where do these ideas come from? So I think we have a cultural belief in laziness, which we've talked about before. And the idea of quitting feels like laziness. It can invoke a fear of failing or of being left behind, maybe not making enough money to survive in the world. Some of these really big core fears. And then on the reverse side, we have the idea of sticking it out, which has really been romanticized in our culture. Grit, toughness, perseverance, like these are ideals in our culture. And so regardless of the circumstances or regardless of if it even makes any sense to stick it out, there is this kind of inherent cultural value in staying with something that's hard. And so I think these kind of became loaded ideas and like loaded words for people, which makes sense. It feels bad if we're thinking our child will be judged as being lazy or if we think that these choices mean they won't find success in life. 
but I know I've talked before about how laziness isn't really a real thing. And it bothers me to even say that word. And I think once we dig deeper into those beliefs and really tune into like what is actually going on, then we can get to the root of kind of those fears and rewrite the story for ourselves. I want to say what comes to mind too, as you were talking there, Erica, is the idea. I think we can feel like we need to teach our child how to stick it out. Like that's, that is something that's teachable. And, and all those other messages, like you were saying, are more, I think, about like guilting them into doing it versus a skill. Because what I, one of the big aha moments for me was, oh, it's not about teaching them to stick it out because, you know, they committed to this. We're going to have a lot of quotes going, air quotes going in this episode. <laughs> but it's more about exploring the world and finding the things that are so interesting to them that they choose to commit to them. They choose to stick it out, even if something's frustrating for them. There's like a frustrating moment, but they know in the bigger picture, this is something they want to, and they're so determined. Like, you know, sometimes we get frustrated. Our kids are so determined to finish this game or to build this tower that keeps falling down and they're getting upset. And they're and, But we can't get them to take a break. We can't get them to stop. They still need to keep trying. Like that is determination, that internal motivation. And so when we're thinking about interest and in the things that our kids are trying out, it was so helpful for me to just frame these as choices and exploring the world for them to find the things that are interesting enough that they want to, you know, commit more fully, if that's the way you want to phrase it. So it wasn't about teaching it as a skill. It was about finding things that were innately something that they were more determined to push through. And the the thing about the word quitting, Erica, yeah, it is it's this very strong word. Because really, for me, and it's not something I would ever use because it's choice. Right. right. For me, it's I'm just like, my choice is not to go this week or not to, yeah. you know, do the thing that this week. So I, I think for me, it, we'll, we'll get to that choice piece. But that that was kind of like the most important thing, because when I go to choice, that reminds me about all the learning that happens. But anyway, I, I won't jump too far ahead. <laughs> Well, but I think the language is important, right? Because I think the language really is setting the stage because it's like you said, Eric, I think it's when we get caught up in those cultural stories of but the stick to and the perseverance and that's how you get ahead. And what I think is really interesting that I observe just, you know, in being an unschooling parent and having kind of these more organic environments was there really were lots of times when they were very focused on things that were of interest to them. And then it was like, oh, it's the same for me. <laughs> you know, that when I'm really interested in something, I will stick to it. And when I'm not, it's really hard. And, and, and I know just this is my own personal journey, 
I did stick with things when I was younger that passed the point of my enjoyment. And what I realized in looking back is it actually didn't serve me or the class or organization or other thing involved because I was half checked out. And so, you know, this idea of, you know, like a sports team is, I think, a good example for people because they're like, but you're there for the team and you're this and that. And it's like, yeah, they're not there for the team. If they're already half checked out because this is not the sport for them or they're uncomfortable with it or it doesn't feel good to them, that isn't serving the team because there are people on that team who really want to be there and can't wait to get up in the morning to get to practice. And so can we just learn? learn to kind of honor people where they are, because like you said, Pam, then it becomes a process of finding where are these slots and there might be many and there might be, you know, a particular lane depending on your personality. But it's like, wow, when we can find those things that really get us excited to push through that frustration, to figure it out, because it's so interesting to us. I believe that's where we serve the world, you know, more so than this pushing ourselves along the lines of convention, which I don't think serves anyone. Yeah. I, I love that point of, you know, kind of looking at it from our own experience of like, can someone else make you persevere at something that you don't want to do? And what are the results of that? You know, like, is that really the best decision for you? And so I know we have all seen our kids push through tons of discomfort and difficulty when it's something that they're really invested in. And so I think it's that um, judgment of their interests that kind of gets in the way, like, is the thing that they really are diving so deep into, like, we can't even see it, because we're looking tunnel vision at the things that are more valuable to us. And so um, I really think any parent children could find an example in their life of their kids not wanting to stop something that's hard, because they just want to keep trying and trying until they get it. And seeing that right there shows you that they have those abilities. It just, it depends on what activity they're doing. Yeah, it, it really is a transferable skill, you know, if, if you want to think about it that way, that, that, you know, that perseverance, that grit, like all those buzzwords around that, um, it doesn't matter. Like you can see it in whatever. Um, that they're doing and yeah, I think you're totally right there Erica that it we can judge like we don't value it if it's pushing through on something that we don't value <laughs> but you know it's it is as meaningful for that because it's meaningful to them and they can bring that energy to whatever is that meaningful to them um, and I think is there something else you wanted to say, Anna, about that? No, no, wanted, no. Yeah, because yeah, I wanted to jump into, like, I think one of the, the bigger areas where people can feel um, pushed to wanting their kids to stick it out is when they paid for things, yeah. right? So if they paid for an activity, if they paid for a team, you know, oh, and that reminded me, like, I remember so many times, like, when the kids that don't want to be there, they're like out in the field looking up at the sky. <laughs> They're in the karate class chatting with somebody else. Like in all the places, you can right. tell they don't want to be there. And it's just less fun for the people who really do yeah. want to be yeah. there. And they're taking up space. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, yes, when we pay for the karate class or or joining the baseball team or, or whatever it is, 
Um, I think that is something that can trip us up as well. Um, and I know you talk a lot about the sunk cost uh, fallacy, so I'm going to turn that over to you, Anna. But one of the things that I noticed and um, for myself at the beginning of our journey that was a big aha moment for me was to not, that I didn't need to jump to paid activities the moment my child had an interest in something. So, you know, if it's like baseball, we can throw a ball around, we can have a bat, we can set up t-ball, we can explore it, we can dance around the living room, you know, we can go to public swim time. Like all these pieces, there are so many ways that we can help our child explore something before we put money on the table if that's something that you know can trip us up if we find that's a trigger for us so just to open up our creativity at the beginning and not think because i think there's an expert thing in there too right it's like oh yeah. Yeah. well you know a coach needs to tell them how to do that or you know a teacher needs to show them how to do it properly they'll get bad habits all these little pieces but, you know, so I think it can be challenging if our kid expresses an interest in something and then the first thing we do is send them out to some sort of paid opportunity. And if that doesn't work out for, well for them the first few times, I think they will be less interested in expressing interest to us and right. things because we'll just keep sending them out to do the thing and to do the thing, right? <laughs> Right. That's, that's the piece. Okay. The, so the two pieces I want to touch on <laughs> that is a big one, which is this unintended consequence of forcing someone to stick it out. And I think especially with kids, but really with anyone, it's just people don't do it to adults as often is that you just stop being interested. You know, you just stop wanting to try things because if I even dabble, they're going to make me do piano lessons for the next three years, you know? <laughs> and so just this unintended consequence of really stopping them from finding the thing that's their passion and the thing that really speaks to them. And so I do want to just touch briefly on the sunk cost piece because I've talked about it a lot of places, but it was a really big shift for me because I, I mean, I do want to be a good steward of our money. I want to be aware of, we wanted that, you know, our kids to understand that and have a sense of money. But my husband is in finance and, and he very much talks to them a lot about money. And but so it was surprised me in a way when he was like, it's a sunk cost. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, we've already paid it. So it does, the money is gone. So you can force them to go to something they don't want to be in. And this unintended consequence potentially happens, or you can take them out. You're not going to get the money back either way. <laughs> and so then it was like, oh, and so then the shift for me was we're paying for the opportunity. We're paying for the opportunity to try this. And so if it was a large financial commitment, we would have conversations about it. Like this is a large one. This one, you know, does have a long time. It's expensive. So are there ways to try it for free or try something that's maybe a little lower stakes if you aren't sure? So you can absolutely have those conversations about being a good steward with the money, but realizing that when we make the decision, we are paying for the opportunity just really opened up a lot of uh, just a freeness for me. Yeah, I, I think um, along those lines, like children aren't, especially in younger ages, aren't going to be able to wrap their head around the entire financial picture. And so to expect that we say, 
this course costs this money. Do you really <laughs> want to do it? It's like, that's not something that they're going to be able to really understand, you know, right. the whole depth of, of what that might mean for us as the keepers of the money. Right. And, and that feeling of like, oh, it's going to be wasteful. And so, right. I think so much of the conversations need to happen more in advance and with us as the parents realizing that the financial decisions are ours like we can't put the decision to enroll them in that class on them as you told me to spend this money on you and now look you want to quit because it really is like kids live in the moment like you're always saying and so their feelings about the activity are not going to be so like tied into the amount of money that we as the adults chose to spend on it and so i think that that beginning time um like pam you were talking about exploring the interest in ways that are not so expensive is really important because yeah. that way you are getting more information about what the child is interested in without having added weight for yourself of, you know, all this money that I have spent. Yeah. And you're gaining more experience too with the environments as well. Yes. Right? So with the activity itself, and then with things, for example, like with karate, um, when Michael was wanting to do that, it was, you know what, we can, um, we can do like free trials. I can phone up and ask, can we like try out a lesson or two or, or for a week? just to see if it's a good fit before, you know, even if it's, even if it's like a payment for a week, but you know, it's not a commitment for a year or for so many months or whatever. Right. Um, because that's the other piece for our child, right. Again, it's not about the money, but what is it about? It's, it's about the interest that they have, but it's also how do they want to engage with the interest? Right. What is that environment? You know, is it very rigid and rules-based and, you know, adult controlled, you know, does that, sometimes that fits. Sometimes that's what kids are excited about, you know, that, that vibes with them, but sometimes it doesn't. So there are so many other possibilities. Like you can check out different dojos. You can check out different dance studios, like all these pieces, um, lean to, or give us more information before we commit any uh, particular amount of money to it, right? Just the more information that we can all have just helps us um, reach, you know, a choice in the moment that seems to make more sense, more confidence. Yeah, more confidence in the choice that we're making because we want to be as confident as we can. And yes, maybe three months from now, it is just not working. But, you know, we haven't pulled it, you know, out of the air and said, oh, here's the closest studio or dojo and yes they want you to commit for a year and you said you wanted to go here we are <laughs> there's just so much more information because I, I think we can kind of just want to you know kind of throw our hands up in the air and say you know oh I'm doing the best for my my child by finding I'm finding the best dojo or you know the best place again that's the external looking in the external kind of judgments um or maybe somebody's really good at marketing you know, those pieces, but, you know, to remember that it's our child, this particular child and something that they're interested in. And the goal is to help them learn not to, you know, put a sticker on your car that says, you know, we dance at or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so that piece 
kind of tangentially reminds me of just how much learning is happening in all of these experiences, right? Because, you know, even when someone decides to leave a particular environment, there's so much that they're learning about this interest, like you said, how they want to engage with it. Is it this piece they like and don't like? And so what I wanted to be careful was to not put my piece on that by, you know, you need to stay or even you need to go or like, it wasn't about me. Like it really needed to be about what they were learning. And then we could talk about the fine tuning because it was like, well, maybe I didn't like this piece, but I really liked this piece. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So then if you look at that's what we paid for. We paid for that fine tuning of knowledge. We didn't pay necessarily for six weeks of a particular class. We paid for us to get this information about ourselves, how we want to engage with this particular interest. And so I think, again, just turning those things around and realizing, you know, again, and I, I like we were talking about earlier, Erica, like just turning it back to our own experiences. I do learn a lot from those things. And there are times that I've signed up for, you know, classes about a particular interest and ended up being like, this is not at all how I wanted to engage with this. But I learned things. Maybe I met someone that then we could do it differently. Or maybe I got just a few tools that I didn't know about and I could take those and experiment with them myself. And so it's letting go of that judgment and just kind of celebrating, you know, what we're learning about ourselves or, you know, our kids are learning about themselves. Right. Because that like self-knowledge, I think, is such a great goal like to kind of think of that as the end result of all these right. choices that we're making and all the interests that we follow, like we're either going to learn more about ourselves, they're going to learn more about themselves, we're going to learn more about them. Like that is yes. has so much value. Um, as we're talking about it, I'm thinking of a couple of lessons that I've learned in this area over the years. One very expensive, unfortunate one was I prepaid for a year of a trampoline location that we had never been to because I'm like, it's trampolines. This is fun, you know? And so they had a really great deal, but it wasn't open yet. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just sign up for the year because the kids love these other trampoline places. It's going to be fine. And then we go on the first day and they have all these placards of rules posted everywhere. And it really triggered Oliver feeling like he might get in trouble. And he's like, I don't like the people who work here. I don't like the rules. I, d I no longer like the color orange because that's what they were wearing. You know, it was very intense for him. He's like, the entire place is everything wrong and I don't ever want to come back here again. And so that hurt me a bit, you know, like just in my pocketbook and just feeling like, oh my God, like mainly feeling like, why did I make that decision, you know, um, in advance, knowing that there was this chance. But what I'm glad I didn't do is blame him for it and try to guilt him into, you know, I paid a lot of money and we need to do this. Um, because him knowing himself and being able to express that it was not a good fit for him and it did not feel like a safe place for him is so much more important than anything else really just that that knowledge of himself and being able to make those choices and so um that was one that I definitely learned from where I was like okay so next time <laughs> we're not gonna rush into paying for things we'll just see you know take the the free next step or the one time one day pass next step and and see how it goes yeah I think that's so much like it's brilliant how much they 
and we learn in the situation, like you were saying before, like that learning, when we can make that flip, like all of a sudden that's worth it, you know, even for so many extraordinary amounts of money, it's like, oh my gosh, we know each other better. They know themselves better. And I think <clears throat> it might just be worth talking a little bit about how much we learn with the, the quitting piece. And because I, I think it's like, okay, they learned they didn't like this interest. Yeah, you know, maybe that's not what they learned in this moment, right? Oliver didn't say, I hate trampoline now. There were a <laughs> myriad of reasons why this place was not a good fit, but the fact there was a trampoline on the floor was not one of them. <laughs> but that's exactly it. And, you know, it could be, I remember over the years, sometimes when an interest was was um, a big thing and was taking up lots of hours and it was like, oh, you know, maybe I want some more hours back. Like, what would I do instead with that time? And to be able to play around with that, it's like, oh, am I, I wonder if I'm going to miss it. Do I miss it? Like there's learning that happens long after the quitting that is just so valuable as well. It's like just so much about the interest. Are there other ways that I can pursue it? I remember when Lissy took a break from photography for like six months and she came back and she's like, oh my gosh, I thought like I'd stopped learning and now I'd have to pick up where I left off. But there was just, I just learned so much just from the magazines I was looking through, the websites that I was on, like just all this other learning was bubbling around. And when she came back, she was a different person after those six months after choosing to get back to it. So, you know, we can think they quit. So now they're not learning about that thing anymore. Oh my gosh, you know, they may not be learning as much about that particular thing, but they are learning an intense amount about themselves. Okay, Anna, go. <laughs> yeah, but that just reminded me, we saw this several times over, you know, my girl's childhood, where like an interest that was gangbusters, and this didn't even have to do with anything money necessarily, but just this gangbusters interest, like go, 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 stop. Whoa, okay, that's gone. And then six months, eight months, even a year or so later, suddenly it's back. We're bringing new things to it. It's going to a different place. Maybe they took a different aspect of it. Maybe it's the exact same, but we saw that so much. And so me like really watching myself to not go, oh, you stopped the whatever it is, piano or the thing or the whatever. Instead, just being that observer of like, okay, this is where we are now. Interesting. Because you really don't know what kind of connections are happening. It's like we talk about with the cocooning times, like things are happening in there. <laughs> like there's just like and pieces are being pulled together and things from different areas and we just saw that over and over again so just watch that judgment about you know this stopping an activity or quitting or whatever because there's often just way more to the story and even if like you said they never come back to that particular interest there's something in the thread of that that you will see echoed somewhere down the road you know and so it's just it's very cool to watch right I mean that's kind of what I was wanting to get to with that like there's not just quitting and sticking right. it out there's a world of things that are in between those and so I think it's really important to not like write the story for them about what their their conclusions are about this yes. right so like maybe these piano lessons aren't working right now but if we start telling them 
I guess you're not interested in piano anymore. That's not fair because it, it probably is not that, you know, and, and then I just think there is that it's pretty common for us to kind of write stories for, for children, like culturally and try to, you know, pigeonhole them into yeah. their interests and things. And so, um, so quitting can be a sign to us of like, oh, I guess that's over, but right. Like you're saying, that's not what we see with real humans and it's not what we see with ourselves. Like just because we stop something at one point does not mean it's going to, it's not going to come back later. And so, right. Just leaving so much space for that to happen and, and leaving the judgment behind when it comes to these choices that they're making so that then they can decide for themselves, like they can really have the space to think about, but I did really like that part of it. And so, you know, and then, and then they can make another choice where that's still part of their lives. It is so worth our work to peel our way through those expectations that we have and to peel our way through what kind of conclusions we're jumping to. Because yeah, if we can come like when they quit something, as you're saying, it's not maybe that they are no longer interested in that. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, and when we can come and realize, oh, you know, they're not interested in that particular aspect or, you know, situation, way of exploring that interest at the time. But, you know, it doesn't mean, okay, now they don't like dance or whatever, you know, just pulling something out of the air. And, you know, because after they quit lessons at a school, maybe they still like to watch musicals. Maybe right. they still, you know, want to dance around the the living room. You know, there are just so many ways that we can still bring this into their lives. And if we've done the work so that we aren't doing it with any expectations, that we fully support their choice to quit the thing, and we're fully excited about the thing that we're sharing and curious if they're interested we don't have expectations and energy around that. It's just more exploration for them, right? Yeah. I I had one other thought when you were talking, um, just like, I'm going to lose it. Um, <laughs> it's like when we, when we're bringing our um, too strong of opinions about their interests then that's, it's hard for them to have the space to make their own decisions and choices about it. And so I find that the less I label, the lighter my energy is, the less attached I am to what they're doing, like all of those parts, which are all just internal work that I have to do for myself, the more that they can make their own choice. Whereas if I if I'm trying to convince them to continue and I'm saying we put all this money into this thing or, oh, I thought you really liked that, you know, just trying to convince and convince, then they are going to have to get stronger and stronger in their yeah. storytelling to themselves of, I don't like this. I don't want right. to do this. I don't, you know, and so um, it's always going to help for me to have a lighter energy about it and less attachment to outcome for them. Um, because then there's, there is that space for them to, to really be listening to themselves and making a decision rather than just reacting to my energy. 
Right. Because I think that's right. Exactly it. Like it, then it becomes a reaction and it, they're kind of confusing. And I think I want to go back to personalities that we talk about so often because you can have the rebel personality. That's like the minute you start, you know, pushing them towards it, they're going to back off. Even if they like it, you're going to have the people pleaser personality. That's more like mommy really loves it when I play piano, you know? And so, and it doesn't even have to just be money or this. It could be like, you're such a great, you know, pianist, you're going to do this for the rest of your life kind of thing can add this pressure. And, and so I think it becomes tricky because I know sometimes then we're like, ah, we kind of have to back off. But for me, that nuance is celebrating, like, like letting them kind of lead the way of what those conversations look like. And, you know, celebrating when they're celebrating, you know, commiserating when they're commiserating, like just really let them be the guide of the energy. And so I love that, like coming in with lighter energy, because I think we're more um, apt to sense their energy when we're not bringing in a lot of strong energy into the situation, because I think it is a nuance. I think kids that do have a particular passion do like to be celebrated for it. They do like to know that we know how important it is to them. So this isn't necessarily a hands off, don't react, you know, be a robot. You know, it's like you said, it's just bringing more, just kind of generous, kind, light energy and really picking up on what they're putting out about it, I think makes such a difference. Yeah. I think taking their lead on that. Yeah. yeah. You don't, it's not about being hands off and having them figure it out. Like again, personality wise, how much processing they want to do externally with you celebrating the moments that are important to them. Even if it's like, yeah, I've heard that a hundred times on the piano or, you know, whatever it is when they're excited about it, it's something new for them. Something has struck them. And if I, don't know in particular what that thing is it doesn't matter I can still match their energy and yeah. you know and if I don't know why they're frustrated I can still commiserate with them like all those pieces yeah. I can meet them where they are you know uh, emotionally versus having some sort of fixed you know target or reward like it's not about rewards consequences that kind of stuff uh, and I lost a little piece that I was going to go to there <laughs> Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, it was. It was also outside voices. Erica, when you were talking about, I, I think it was Erica, anyway, that, you know, oh, you're going to be a photographer was the one, you know, because Lucy was into photography at a pretty early age. And I'll just, I still remember the moment my sister in law and I was telling her oh yeah she's been you know taking pictures you know, every every day this week she's what's going on what's Lucy doing and she's like oh she's going to be a photographer like that is conventionally the the message is so much like people just like to latch on and tell a story okay here's the story she's 13 years old and very into photography she's going to be a photographer um <clears throat> and that those messages can be really challenging for kids so you know even having um, those kinds of conversations with them, holding that lightness around it, just like having a smile and a giggle. And, you know, I just said, well, maybe, and changed the subject because maybe. <laughs> but, you know, the expectations around it, there's just so much more life in their interests. And the staying with something or choosing not to do something in a particular moment is all just a rich part of life. 
I feel. It's just like another learning thing. And maybe six months they come back to it. Maybe three years from now you're looking back and you didn't realize, but this thing they're doing now, actually it is related to that thing that they they kind of stopped doing. But yeah, they picked up on that aspect and that's what they kept moving forward with versus the way it looked through that particular interest. No, they found the root of it and now they're doing it in another way or, you know, learning more about it in other ways. It's just so much richer than in this moment, there's an expectation that you stick it out because we make commitments and we follow through with our commitments, you know, right. and, and worried that we have to teach them that. Now that's some skill that we, because look, the only time we need to make them stick it out is when it's something they don't like. Exactly. <laughs> it's just so fascinating to think about, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I And I just think that language is so important. I think watching for our own triggers about this, like how we were treated as kids, what it's bringing up for us. Are we thinking that, you know, the grandparents aren't going to like that they've quit piano or they, you know, is it this? Like just really, as always, we talk about it, it's doing our own work so that we can separate that to really tune in to the person in front of us whether it's our spouse or friend or child because it really is very similar the way that we just show up to celebrate people because that judgment is just so damaging for relationships and so it's just what is the work that I need to do to let that go because that is always about me like it's not at all about the other person or what they're doing it's always about something in me and so just taking that time to to recognize that just gives us so much more information and just keeps those connections where we want them to be yeah well this was really fun so I am glad we talked you know talked about this topic and I just really appreciate you both being here and I think for all the listeners too and I hope that this conversation has been helpful on your unschooling journey and just in life in general because sometimes we can a lot of times we can look at ourselves and say like oh yeah I can quit this thing that I want to don't want to be doing anymore (laughs) Do remember to check out the Living Joyfully shop. There are links in the show notes. And yeah, just comment on social media and let us know what you're thinking about this topic and have a great week. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.